Hello, beautiful freaks. I'm Stacy. I'm Coulter. And this is any crime at all. Are you Coulter, though? Your mm. hair got awfully long. And you're a lot prettier than he is. Oh, thank you. Uh, I shaved, uh, so maybe that, that might have helped shave my goatee off. <laughs> Tell them who you really are. I'm Caitlin. Remember Caitlin from Florida Man? My itty bitty baby sister? Once upon a time I was here. Yes. Many, many episodes ago. Yes. Yes. But it's about time you came back. Yes. Like, do you have to work? Seriously? I mean, I don't want to. Well, there's that. Yeah. Thanks for that. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so Caitlin, I know you are not one for true crime. Not really. Very much. No. This is how we differ. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're going to do uh, Kids Who Kill. Oh, by the way, Coulter's sick. That's why he's not here. So we're going to do Kids Who Kill. Well, I already don't like kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no? No. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> it's one of my uh, well-hidden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, so kids from all walks of life have killed people. Their family members, schoolmates, strangers, etc. Sometimes it's because of greed, bullying, mental illness, anger, etc. We are going to examine three cases today. Oh, no, sorry, four cases today because okay. I added one. Right. Are y'all ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so we're going to start with Jasmine Richardson. Does that name ring a bell at all? No, and I expect none of the names that you will tell me today will ring any bells. I think you might know this one. Okay. Oh, Maybe well. not this name, but another name that's associated with it. I might know the stories and not the names. Yeah. I don't really ever pay yeah. attention to that. And a lot of the times, I, didn't, I don't know about the U.S., but like when there's, um, it, depending on how recent it is, they won't release the names of the children. Right. right? So, yeah. This I might is know one the of names. those. Oh, okay. But she's older now, so they released it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so in April of 2006, I am sweating like a fucking stuck pig, Ben. In April of 2006, Mark and Deborah Richardson, aged 42 and 48 respectively, had been married for 15 years. Aw, true love. <laughs> they met while attending a substance abuse recovery support group and had helped each other stay clean and eventually fell in love. They had two children, Jasmine, who is 12 years old, and Tyler Jacob, who is eight. I love that name, by the way. Tyler Jacob? Tyler Jacob. They probably called him TJ, and it's so mm. cute. Um, their life in Medicine Hat, Alberta, oh. Canada, was pretty normal by all accounts. They were a typical, loving Canadian family. Now, around 2005, Jasmine began to change. She had always been a friendly, outgoing little girl who got good grades and had lots of friends. But suddenly, she was dressing in all black, listening to different music, quote-unquote different music. Um, what? Were nope. you going to say something? Oh. Uh, staying in her room, on the internet, etc. Now, usually this would be considered a phase, a kid trying to find her place in the world and whatnot, and not really something a parent would worry about, which is true. Every kid goes through some kind of weird phase. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The goth thing is not the one I would... <laughs> choose for my children but you know i did it i think so every kid do? goes through that yeah, dark moody yeah yeah stage yeah. i guess don't fucking talk to me you're not cool mom yeah yeah <laughs> yeah my uh my son hunter he grew up being called hunt i still just call him hunt and at one point he was like my name is hunter Can you call me hunter and i'm like i fucking made you no i'll call you what i want <laughs> yeah hunt 
<laughs> you little fuck. Yeah, right? Exactly. Um, however, Jasmine started getting into trouble at school. She was drawing satanic symbols on her books and her skin, and she attended a Catholic school. Ooh. So probably not the best thing to do. No. She was talking back to teachers and her parents, and she had never been like this before. She was always just a very meek kind of, yes ma'am kind of kid. Mm -hmm. Her friends even started avoiding her as they started to become afraid of her dark broodiness. That's pretty bad. Yeah, friends usually will stick by you because they, you know, they're the same age, they're going through the same stuff. But Yeah. I mean, if, if you become scared of your friend, tell someone. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Jasmine had been visiting some pretty dark sites on the internet, stuff to do with vampires, Satanism, and she began to tell people online that she was 15 years old. Uh. In January of 2006, Jasmine attended a goth rock concert and met a 23-year-old man named Jeremy Steinke. Oh, younger brother of Gord Steinke? <laughs> do you know that name, Jeremy Steinke? I, don't, I know the last name, but only because of the news anchor, Gord Steinke. I don't know that person, but... Oh, okay. He's, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's Edmonton News anchor. I wonder if they're related. <clears throat> Possibly. That's interesting. I can't imagine Steinke is a very popular mm -hmm. last name. Mm-hmm. Now, there is speculation that they met online on a vampire site where Jeremy was known as Soul Eater. Oh, of course. Or something of that it's nature. what I would choose. Right? Yeah. He even claimed to be a 300-year-old werewolf. Interesting. I'm just going to pause for the laugh. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I imagine that intrigued a 12-year-old Jasmine, who's already into that kind of shit, I guess, you know. Soon the two were dating. Mm. 12 and 23. Gross. He thought she was 15, but that's still but disgusting. But still, yeah. 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 Um, and even Jasmine's goth friends disapproved of their union. When Mark and Deborah became aware of the fact that their daughter was dating Jeremy, who was much older than her, they forbade her from seeing the man. They took away her computer and grounded her. Well, nothing says run to the arms of your lover, like grounding and taking away your things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jeremy. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, Jeremy was raised by an alcoholic mother and a few different stepdads, as his real father left when he was still just a baby. So you can tell right now that this is a real stable home life. Yeah. One of the stepdads abused Jeremy and his siblings, both mentally and physically. Sometimes, he'd tie the kids up and make them watch as he beat one of the other kids. Wow. Nice guy. Great role model. Yeah. Jeremy was also bullied in school because his family lived in near poverty. By age 15, he was drinking a lot and self-harming. During his teens and early adulthood, Jeremy had attempted to take his own life several times. So Jeremy became goth. I don't know if I say became a goth or became goth. I don't know this. this I don't know the proper syntax there. Hopefully, somebody can tell me. Became I don't know. a gothic, so then he became goth, perhaps. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. That um, is the rule. Yes. <laughs> if I had a gavel right now, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he became a gothic, which who individual became <laughs> yeah. a goth. Sure. <clears throat> so he was wearing all black clothes, black eyeliner. He even wore a vial of blood on a chain around his neck. Whose blood? I'm guessing his own. I hope it's his own. I, because that's weird. Seems less cool if it's your own. Yeah. 
Yeah, when Angelina Jolie was married to Billy Bob Thornton, they Swapped, wore each other's yeah. blood. Yeah, just mm. also weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm into true crime and all that bloody gory shit, but I don't want anybody else's blood. You um, don't want to? I'll give you a vial of my blood to carry around your neck. Are we the same type? Because I'm AB negative. Oh, I'm B negative. Oh, then it won't work for half. Us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll only die a little. Yeah. <laughs> So he would also tell his friends that he enjoyed the taste of blood. So, even though Jasmine's parents had taken her computer, she and Jeremy still found ways to e email each other. I imagine through school computers and shit like that. It doesn't say anything where she had a cell phone. 2005, yeah, I mean, school, I suppose. If they had a com By that time, everybody had a computer in the house. and Yeah. Whether or not she was allowed to use it, I guess. That's true, yeah. Um, but if her parents weren't home or something, I suppose. Yeah, yeah just cool. because you take away your personal laptop doesn't mean, you know, you're not sneaking on in the That's true. family computer under the guise of something else. That's true. So they were mad that Mark and Deborah kept them away from each other, so they came up with a plan to kill Jasmine's parents so they could be together. It was first Jasmine's plan, by the way. She's 12. Hmm. Jasmine even told a few friends that her and Jeremy were going to kill her parents. But no one took her seriously. I mean, that's a... That's, that's hard. a red flag. I, yeah, but, but that's a hard, like... I mean, you're 12, though, like, yeah. so... Would you believe? You might laugh it off and... Yeah, probably not. I mean, like, if she's complaining about her parents all the time, too, like, you're just, ugh, just Jasmine again, you know? Yeah. Fuck, I just want to kill my parents. I mean, yeah. I what think kid hasn't that. said yeah. that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's when you start making plans, I think, and you're like, okay... Hey, Throwing out details, you're like, maybe, uh, maybe this isn't a joke anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, specifics, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So on April 23rd, 2006, in the pre-dawn hours, Jeremy Steinke entered the Richardson home after having consumed vodka and wine, as well as cocaine and ecstasy. Yeah, he was hopping. He was dressed all in black, of course, and came armed with a butcher knife. Deborah woke up and heard noises, so she went downstairs to investigate and came upon Steinke, Steinke, who began to attack immediately. Deborah attempted to defend herself while screaming, but she ended up being stabbed 12 times, and she died at the scene. He still doesn't know that Jasmine is 12, right? Nope. I mean, does she look 15? Has he seen her? Yeah, but she's well, the dark black yeah, eyeliner maybe. and all that, so... Mark, upon hearing his wife's screams, jumped out of bed and grabbed the closest thing to a weapon he could find, a screwdriver. Hmm. He ran down the stairs and confronted Jeremy, almost getting the best of him at one point. But Steinke overpowered him. Mark asked why he was doing this, and Jeremy replied that it was, his daughter's, it was what his daughter wanted. These were likely the last words Mark Richardson ever heard. Wow. Yeah. If there was rough. ever a reason to haunt somebody, it would be those words. Yeah before succumbing to the 24 stab wounds that had been inflicted on him. 24. Overkill. Oh, big time. When Steinke made his way, then, sorry, Steinke made his way to young Tyler Jacobs' room where Jasmine was waiting for him. They debated on what to do with her little brother, and Jasmine decided that he should die rather than be an orphan. She first attempted to smother him with a pillow, when this didn't work, Jasmine stabbed eight-year-old Tyler Jacob five times and slit his throat. Jesus, fuck. Her baby brother. My God. I know. Oof. 
The next day, a six-year-old neighbor went to the Richardson home to play with Tyler Jacob. After knocking and not getting an answer, he peeked through a window and saw Mark and Deborah's bloody bodies. That poor six-year-old kid. No doubt. The child ran home, told his parents, and the police were called. The police arrived to find Mark and Deborah Richardson's deceased bloody bodies, and upon clearing the rest of the house, they found little Tyler Jacob dead in his bed. Now, um, while I was uh, researching this, there was one cop who said, like, he can't, he'll never get that out of his head. That's the worst thing he's ever seen, was that little tiny boy dead in his bed. Can't even imagine. Oof. I, I've heard of cops um, retiring from shit like this. I got goosebumps. Um, where was I? Okay, detectives determined that the killer was probably someone who knew the family. No forced entry and all that. As the police investigated the scene, they came upon a family portrait and became aware that there was a daughter that was now potentially missing. She, well, I mean, she was missing, but I mean, she might not be missing on her own accord. Right. Jeremy and Jasmine were soon tracked down to a town called Leader in Saskatchewan, uh, about 160 kilometers away from Medicine Hat. The couple was arrested and the officers said they seemed happy and carefree. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess the euphoria of murdering people makes you carefree? And I guess. And plus, they were together now. Mm. Barf. Yeah. The next day, 20-year-old Casey Lancaster, a friend of Steinke's, was arrested as an accessory after the fact. She had helped dispose of evidence by cleaning Steinke's truck, though he didn't tell her why he wanted her to do this. But she did say after, like in court, that there was, she found like blood in the truck. How I old mean, was this woman? 20. Because, I mean, he stabbed yeah. two people a total of 30... No, 24, 36 times. There's going to be a little bit of blood on him. Oh, and yeah. on her. She slit her brother's throat. That doesn't just... Yeah, that's a spray. Yeah. Uh, she then she then drove them to Saskatchewan. What an idiot. I'm not going to ask any questions, though. Like, what the yeah. fuck is wrong with you? So Jasmine Richardson was the youngest person in Canadian history to be charged with three counts of first-degree murder. On July 9th, 2007... Hey, that's Ducky's birthday. She was sentenced to 10 years in a juvenile detention center. As she was a minor at the time of the crime, 10 years was the maximum sentence that Richardson could receive. And because she was only 12, she couldn't really be tried as an adult. So, I mean, she could. Um, I don't... Well, I guess they must have, eh? 10 years? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't say, so... I just thought there was a, like an age limit to it or something, and there's not. No, you have to, I'm pretty sure, like, a judge and a psychiatrist maybe decide whether or not you have the mens rea to be tried as an adult. Like, I if see. her younger brother, like, if he's not a psychopath, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then, you know, or has the IQ of... A cabbage. Yeah. Then, obviously, he couldn't, she, it was premeditated. She oh, knew what time. she was yeah. doing. It wasn't That's why like... she got first degree murder, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like she was... Uh, you know, I hate you guys so much. Yeah, yeah. Crime of passion kind yeah. of thing. So I think she could have. But, I mean, Canadians are also a little soft and yeah, in the justice system. And yeah. uh, maybe they were sometimes. hoping she could be rehabilitated. Yeah. So 10 years was the maximum sentence that Richardson could receive under Canadian law, apparently. Jeremy Steinke was also charged with three counts of first-degree murder. 
On December 15, 2008, he was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for 25 years. Because as you know, they run concurrently, not consecutively. Side note, during Stein Key's court proceedings, he proposed to Jasmine. So he had found out that she was 12 by this oh, yeah. Born, I mean, by the trial. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. She said yes. Of course. Oh. Why wouldn't you? Can't you just hear the violins? Your true love. Yeah. But no marriage has ever taken place. Surprise, surprise. On May 6, 2016, Jasmine Richardson was released from the detention center after having shown a suitable amount of remorse for her crimes. Suitable? That's what they say. Gross. She now lives anonymously somewhere in Canada. Nice. Yeah. I have to start vetting my friends better. No doubt, eh? If you come upon somebody named Jasmine, just be like, did you ever murder anyone? <laughs> Tell me the truth. I had an old roommate named Jasmine. She was quite young. And I wouldn't put it past her. Maybe she's a little bit of a murderer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm I, like, I really want to meet this person. But <laughs> I never met any of her family as far as I know. like, Because there was none. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I had his little brother once. <laughs> He's cute. Okay, so on to the next one. So, Miss Caitlin, have you ever wondered how old the youngest serial killer ever was? Have you ever wondered that? No, those thoughts do not keep me up at night, but I will take a guess. Sure. Six years old? little bit older okay but good guess uh so i'm gonna answer that question for you right here right now see i have wondered yeah (laughs) how old the youngest (laughs) one was how old the oldest one was you know so born in 1998 in a village in india called bagusaray i don't know i'm guessing i'm sorry if i nailed it that (laughs) yeah eight-year-old armadeep sada was from a poor family his father was a laborer and his mother was a stay-at-home mom. By all accounts, Armadeep was a happy kid, but most people were kind of creeped out by the eerie grin that was always plastered on his face. Mm. Like, always. Gross. Um, In May of 2007, Chun Chun Devai, a neighbor of the Sadas, discovered that Kushbu, her six-month-old baby girl, was missing. Devai immediately suspected Armadeep, as he had tried to snatch a baby before. What? Yeah. The locals searched for the little girl, but when she couldn't be found, they called the police. Superintendent Amit Loda, the officer in charge of the investigation, decided to question Armadeep after neighbors told him of their suspicions. Loda asked, What did you do with Kushbu? Armadeep answered, I killed her by beating her with a brick. Can I have a cookie? Holy shit. About an hour later, the child led Loda to baby Kushbu's battered little body. She was so battered, she had no discernible features on her face. Well, I mean, I guess the bones are still soft, so... Yeah, Yeah. just awful. Loda asked, why did you hurt the baby? Armadeep shrugged and asked for a cookie. Yeah. Now, Armadeep was held in custody, but his parents took off for fear of retribution from the village, and they couldn't be found. Loda did find Armadeep's uncle, who had a shocking story to tell. Armadeep had murdered two babies before he took little Kushbu's life, 
Oh my god. Mm-hmm. A year earlier, he'd killed his six-month-old cousin by beating her to death. The second victim was Armadeep's own eight-month-old sister who he beat to death with a rock. And his parents kept him around? His parents were well aware, well aware of what their son had done, but considered it a, quote, internal matter, unquote. And therefore, they never reported Armadeep to the police. When people noticed they didn't have a baby around anymore? What about the cousins? Like... Their parents were just like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, you're just going to take care of it? All right, then. Yeah. Um, an internal matter. Okay, it's an internal matter. Chain that fucking kid up. Like, seriously. Okay. As Armadeep was only eight years old, he could not be prosecuted. However, he was placed in a juvenile remand center and examined by a whole team of psychiatrists. They determined that the child had a conduct disorder. You think? <laughs> I think it's a little more than conduct. Yeah. As he had absolutely no concept of right and wrong. Gee, where have I heard this before? At what age do children figure out, like, right and wrong? Well, he hid the body. I guess. So. Not remorse. He knew it was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Armadeep smiled as he described his crimes in an upbeat voice and regularly asked for cookies. Armadeep was put on medication and underwent psychotherapy for three years before he was released and either placed with a foster family. I hope there's no younger children. I would not take that child. Right. Or in a children's home. I so would he's just not put that child there. <laughs> no. He should have been kept somewhere. I'd say six feet under the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, an internal matter? I, I understand that you're poor, but you can't just keep that kid around. No. As is. I keep having kids. Oof. And how do you... Like, as the the cousin's parents, how... How do you rectify that by just, oh, you're just going to in-house it? Yeah. Okay. Unless... At least that neighbor was like, internal fucking matter my ass. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Listen, we usually take care of these things in-house, so yeah. is all cool with the baby? So, you know, I'll, I'll give you... You want some tea to make up for it? Maybe chicken? I can make you some curry chicken? Uh, yeah. Something like that? Yeah, so that was the Bring youngest... Bring you a casserole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, we're sorry, yeah. <laughs> on the top and, like, noodles. <laughs> That'll smooth everything over. Yeah, should do the trick. All right, so next. Okay, numero trois. You ready? Ready. All right, so this is Randon Fontaine. No bells are ringing. No, I didn't hear of it either. Randon Fontaine was quite big for his age, and he had a low IQ. In 2016, he was repeating the 10th grade for the third time. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think they held kids back anymore. I, I don't know. Unless you're really dumb? I guess. Huh. Randon was adopted by his aunt after he was abandoned by his alcoholic mother. They lived in uh, La Loc, I think it is, Saskatchewan, Canada. I've never heard of it. L-A-L-O-C-H-E, La Loc, La Loche. 
Yeah, I don't know. I am um, trying not to um, clutter my mind with Saskatchewan. I see. Because it, in itself, is so cluttered. <laughs> yeah. Um, his grandparents lived across the street, and they were raising his two cousins, 17-year-old Dane, which I love that name, and 13-year-old Drayden. I love that name. Hmm. Uh, they were Randon's best friends, and they were cousins. That's kind of cool. That's nice. Now, Fontaine was an angry young man. Though who or what he was angry at was a mystery, even to himself. He once asked a friend, quote, If someone came into the school and shot it up and they told you it was me, would you believe it? Unquote. The friend just laughed and thought nothing of it. However, Fontaine had been searching on his iPad, and had anyone seen, they would have been concerned. These searches included school shootings in Canada, ammunition, guns, and, quote, what does it feel like to kill someone? Unquote. Can you find that on a Google search? I don't know. I don't want to check just in case one day I try to kill somebody and then, you know, it's on my Google it, yeah, search. Yeah, right? You don't need that. No. Fuck. On January 16th, 2016, Randon Fontaine went to La Loc or La Loche, I'm very sorry, I'm probably butchering it, community school for morning classes. During these hours, he searched on his iPad for Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris. You know those names, right? No. No. The Columbine kids? Oh, okay. Yeah. The perpetrators of the Columbine High School Massacre. At lunch, Randon went home, had a snack, and retrieved a box of ammo from his bedroom. Then he went across the street and got his grandfather's twenty-two caliber rifle. Now, Dane was home alone that day, sick or something, and Randon called him down to the basement. Once there, Dane found Randon pointing the rifle at him. Dane reportedly said, quote, don't shoot me, unquote, before turning to run upstairs. The first shot hit him in the back. Then he was shot nine to ten more times. Wow. Little bit of overkill. Yeah, but if he's your best friend, if you're doing that to your best friend, what are you going to do to the other kids? Right? Or anyone else for that matter. Ugh. Fuck. 13-year-old Drayden came home for lunch that day. Aww. He didn't usually. Aww. And Fontaine murdered him as well. Wow. Poor kid. Like, the one day he decides to come home for lunch or forgets his lunch or some shit. Ugh. Yeah. Awful. 13. I mean, seven... Uh, ugh, just, yeah, it's bad. Randon then drove back to Laloc School and parked nearby. He then logged on to a group chat and typed, quote, suppose I'm done with life, unquote. Someone responded, quote, why, unquote. Fontaine replied, quote, I just killed two people. Now I'm going to shoot up the school, unquote. Well, group chat where? It, all I could find was a group chat. Oh. I don't know if it was within a school or gaming chat or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. That's all I could find. So, just after 1 p.m., Randon Fontaine entered the main door of the school and immediately started shooting. One student was hit in the abdomen, survived. One in the chest, survived. And a third in the stomach and left calf, survived. Wow. Phyllis Longabardi, the vice principal, ran towards the shooter. And that's a no-no. In order to give students time to run away. All right. Okay. 
She was shot in the wrist and forearm before running into a classroom and calling 911. Adam Wood, a relatively new teacher at the school, had run to the office to call 911 when he heard gunfire. Then he left the safety of the office to see if anyone needed help. He came face to face with Fontaine, who then shot him in the stomach, then delivered the fatal shot. That's all they said was fatal shot, but I'm guessing probably the head. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Poor guy was just trying to help. Mm-hmm. Looking into a classroom, Fontaine saw teacher Charlene Klein and shot her. He shot her, like, in the neck, in the back of the neck. Oof. She would survive. Oh, no. He then moved on to another classroom. Is she quadriplegic now? I assume. I'll get into it. Hmm. Then he came back to that same classroom that Charlene was in. Marie Janvier, a teacher's aide that had been working with or shadowing Charlene, I guess, rushed to help her colleague, but she too was shot in the neck and chest. Marie would succumb to her wounds on scene. Fontaine continued to another classroom where he shot Christine Montgrand in the back. She too would survive. Wow. RCMP Constable Dustin Freeman was the first on the scene, and without even waiting for backup, he entered the school. Now here I put Uvalde, because they waited so fucking long. Yeah. And there was like, I don't know, about 300 cops there, and this one guy's like, fuck it, I'm going in, boys. (laughs) Super Canadian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got a fucking hockey stick. Start running, boy. (laughs) Um, Freeman spotted Fontaine and began to chase him. Yeah, this is a cop, man. Randon found himself cornered in a girl's bathroom with only one bullet left. He briefly contemplated shooting himself, but he decided to give up instead. Because I find most people like this who were... I mean, a lot of them do do it. The mass shooters, they just kill themselves. Yeah. Um, But most of them are fucking cowards. Yeah. Really. Well, that is the coward's way out. Yeah, they can't... But they could... They have no problem shooting me or you, but they can't shoot themselves. Yeah. Which, I mean, that is... Don't don't they want to live to have the glory? Well, sometimes, I guess. Some of them want the, uh, the recognition and shit like that, but... Yeah. My hair's all wet. I'm like, why is my back wet? <laughs> I just had a shower before we started, and I'm like, what the fuck is on my back? Um, seeping. I'm seeping, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he didn't... He didn't shoot himself he gave up instead upon exiting the bathroom he said quote i'm the shooter unquote constable freeman arrested him on the spot no help constable freeman no shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's that you're holding is that a rifle (laughs) could you be the shooter (laughs) no man not me just <laughs> yeah. puts it behind his back. Freeman's like, okay, I'll keep looking. Well, I just found this gun. I, just... <laughs> I was going to give it to you, actually, when I saw you. Yeah, and... I thought it was a toy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, just to get back to that Uvalde for a minute. Like, it just made me sick that this one guy goes in. Uvalde only had one shooter as well. Yeah. And this Constable Freeman runs in on his own. No waiting for backup. Nothing. Fucking... Gets the dude, arrests him, 
And those fuckers in Uvalde are standing around for what, 88 minutes or something? 78 minutes? Something stupid. Something like that? Until Border Patrol got there and did something? What the fuck are they going to do that the cops can't? And they had just had training on school shootings, Uh like the week before. Like, holy fuck, Texas, what are you feeding these people? Is it like the, uh, we just had a test on this, I don't remember the answer. Yeah, yeah, it was an open book test, man, it's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so Fontaine was charged with first degree murder times four, attempted murder times seven, and unauthorized possession of a firearm. Which I believe is three or four years in prison on its own, I think. On October 28th, 2016, Fontaine pled guilty to two counts of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. That's it. They took away the attempted murders. Wow. He was sentenced as an adult and received life in prison with the possibility of parole after 10 years. 10? Yeah. He's a minor. He's only 17. Doesn't matter. Again, he could be tried as an adult. Yeah. But in Canada, they have set times for minors and adults and... Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you're probably thinking the same thing I did, which you just expressed that you are. Why so lenient? Well, it turns out that Randon Fontaine had an IQ in the lowest 2% for his age. 10th grade three times, that's why, I guess. Yeah. He had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder Uh. and various other psychological disorders for which he'd never received treatment. If he was so stupid, then how did he know how to shoot a gun? I guess it doesn't... I mean, (laughs) I could really offend some people (laughs) here. It doesn't take that much... Look at cops in the States. They all know how to shoot guns, and most of them are fucking... Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not all cops. No. But some of those cops, even some cops here, are fucking idiots. Yeah. And, I mean, and I say that with, they could be smart, but they're fucking idiots because they're racists and yeah. all that stupid bullshit. But anyway, uh, Aaron Fox, Fontaine's lawyer, said, quote, This was a boy crying out for help and getting none, unquote. Uh, I, I still kind of wonder what he was so angry at. Wonder if he's ever found out. His mom abandoning him, never knowing his father. There's so many things he could be angry at. Yeah. He's probably he treated like shit therapy. because he was he was First Nations. Mm. So he was probably treated like shit by a lot of people. What year was this again? 2016. Yeah, I mean, it, well, people still treat people like oh, shit yeah. like that here and now. Yeah. So it's not like we're woke or anything. Yeah, that's true. Um, In April of 2020, the Supreme Court of Canada denied Fontaine's final appeal. uh, They appealed it because he was a minor and on those, the bases that I just gave you and stuff, that he uh, get out early. Um, He will have to serve the full 10-year sentence, at least. You know, unless he does something stupid in prison and gets more time. Charlene Klein, the teacher that survived being shot, was left blinded and is undergoing surgeries to try to restore her sight. Just blinded after being shot in the neck? Yeah. I mean, that's getting off pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Her surgeries were halted when COVID kicked in. Uh, But uh, as far as I know, she's back at it. So hopefully she gets her sight back. No doubt. 
Hopefully. I would, that would be terrible, like, you know, not, or like being a seeing person and then all of a sudden not, not being, but after being shot in the neck, I mean, she could be quadriplegic, sipping out of a straw. Could be dead. Or have like a tube, or yeah. dead, I'm, yeah, but, wow. Yeah, yeah. Klein also suffers from PTSD and cannot do many things because of loud sounds, of course. Yeah. And unfamiliar voices. These are major... Oh, my. Sorry. These are massive triggers for her. I just hiccuped. Unfamiliar voices, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I guess he must have been, like, screaming down the hallways or something as he was shooting, or... Like, I didn't see anything of that, but... Maybe she didn't know him? Maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. After the appeal was denied... Charlene Klein said, quote, I'm just glad I don't have to worry for a while that he's going to be out there on the streets, unquote. She added, quote, I will never forgive Fontaine for doing any of that, unquote. It's hard to forgive somebody for shooting up a school. Yeah. When it doesn't matter how dumb they are. True. He knows right from wrong. Yeah. I don't care if he's in the lowest 2%. Yeah. Um, Otis Tool was the dumbest fuck in the world. Do you know who that was? No. He was a serial killer. He killed, uh, or allegedly, he killed um, John Walsh's son. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. He was, like, dumb as mud, this motherfucker. Oh. But, yeah, he knew right from wrong. And he was so gross. Him and Henry Lee Lucas were lovers. Oh. <laughs> uh, just... Oh, give me a bucket, Kate. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be pretty. Um, okay, so on to the fourth and final story. Man. This one's a rough one. Uh, Just letting you know. Wonderful. I need a tea. It involves a young girl. Uh, and it's not good. Uh, Here we go. Give me a bucket. <laughs> So, this is the fourth and final one. We were just discussing Ted Bundy and whether or not we thought he was good looking. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess if you're in that time, you know, everybody kind of looked like that. Now it's not very yeah attractive. Not so much. No. But I guess he had to be there. Yeah. I guess if you're into that, you know, serial, serial killer, killer cannibal, <laughs> necrophile kind of thing, then yeah, bring it home, daddy. <laughs> Bring me off a piece of that. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so this next and final one is Joshua Phillips. You no. ever heard the name? Nothing. Alright. Maddie Clifton was a sweet, beautiful, playful little girl. If you look her up, she was so fucking cute. She lived in Jacksonville, Florida with her mom, Sheila. That's my mommy's name. Her dad, Steve and older sister, 11-year-old Jessie. Maddie and Jessie were best friends as well as being sisters. That's, I always like to hear that, yeah. Um, Maddie loved sports, like golf and baseball and- We like sports. (laughs) She also played piano and she would always side with the underdog in any situation. Ah, underdog cheerer. Yeah, so that right there just tells you she had, her heart was as big as she was. On Tuesday, November 3rd, 1998, Maddie came home from school, arriving at about 4.30 p.m. 
her mom, Sheila, had left the house to vote as, as it was election day. Oh. She didn't think she'd be gone very long, you know. So. Yeah. Maddie practiced her piano until her mom got home. Like, what a good girl. She just was sitting there practicing her piano until her mom got home. Like, just, yeah. Then when, it, when her mom got home, she ran outside to play because she knew she hold, only had an hour or so before she had to be in for dinner. So, you know. Yeah. Got to get that fucking time in. Yeah. She made her way to a 16-year-old neighbor's house to hit some golf balls. Um, it was a boy. He was considered a suspect for a minute, mm. you know. But uh, so many people, uh, anyway, yeah, um, to hit some golf balls. At some point, she did go back to her yard to get more golf balls. So lots of people seeing her leave his house, this kid's yard. Yeah. So they knew it yeah. wasn't him. This was the last time that she was seen alive. At 6.20 p.m., Sheila called her daughters in for dinner. When only Jessie returned, Sheila asked some neighbors if they'd seen her. After a quick search of the neighborhood, Sheila called 911 to report her daughter missing at 6.33 p.m. So she wasn't, she was like, fuck this shit. Yeah, you know? get on it. Yeah. yeah no waiting, 24-hour bullshit. Exactly. And you know what really pisses me off about missing kids stories? It, not so much now, but like back in the 70s and 80s, it was always, Maybe oh, they she's probably away. just a runaway. Yeah. Like, don't you know, you think I know my own kid better than you do? Exactly. Yeah. I say that so much. Listen to the parents. Yeah. You've, this is the first time you've heard this fucking kid's she's name. She's a stay-at-home mother. She knows what her child is like. You know, maybe if she had absent parents that were mm-hmm. working all the time and, you know, would she do this? I mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's exactly. different. Exactly. Or if she was like a bad kid always and Yeah. Well, this is the fifth time she's run away this week, but she's never been mm-hmm. past an hour. Yeah, know. exactly. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that pisses me off. So Maddie Clifton was missing for seven days. Hundreds of volunteers helped search for her and handed out flyers, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Steve and Sheila Clifton gave interviews and pleaded for their little girl's safe return. On November 10th, 1998, Missy Phillips, the Phillipses lived across the street from the Cliftons. Okay. Missy Phillips went into her son Joshua's room, he was 14, and saw two little feet sticking out from the frame under her son's waterbed. Oh my God. Yeah. There was also some liquid oozing out as well. She ran outside and told the police that were still stationed outside the Clifton residence. Now, when she ran outside and told the cops, Steve and Sheila Clifton had just finished giving an interview oh. about Maddie's return, and she found the little girl's body. So the cops went inside, and it was Maddie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Joshua was arrested at school. He confessed immediately and was charged with first-degree murder. It was determined that the 14-year-old would be tried as an adult due to the brutality of the crime. This meant that if convicted, he would be sentenced to life in prison. Joshua Phillips had helped search for the little girl. Of course. Why not insert yourself? Yeah. And he slept on his bed for seven days while Maddie Clifton's lifeless little body was beneath him. Smell. Apparently his room was just full of air fresheners. 
Does an air freshener get rid of... I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. By the way, flesh? cops and stuff like that talk about the smell of decomposition. Like They're, they're like, if you smell it once, you will never forget it. Ugh. And it's just like a... It envelops everything, you know? Yeah, I bet that's a hard smell to get out. Mm, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, God, I could just, I'm just imagining it. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I did put that this takes a certain type of person to be able to do this. Well, that's a psychopath. Oh, yeah. big time. So, oh, this is so little, too. So, as I said, Joshua confessed, confessed to killing Maddie. He claimed that the two were playing with a baseball in his backyard, and when he hit the ball very hard and accidentally struck her near the left eye, she began to cry and holler, so Joshua, fearful that his father would be angry at him for playing with the younger girl, took her into his room. Apparently, he wasn't allowed to have people over if his parents weren't home. Okay. She was bleeding from the gash and crying loudly, and to keep his father from discovering her, he struck Maddie once or twice in the head. She whimpered, and when she began to moan more loudly, he took his knife and cut her throat. Then he concealed her body by prying off the side of his waterbed and pushing Maddie underneath. Joshua's father had come home by this time, and realizing that Maddie's labored breathing was loud enough for his father to hear in another room, Joshua pulled the child back out and stabbed her in her lungs so that she would stop breathing. He explained that her shorts and underwear came off when he dragged her into his room and that her shoes came off when he shoved her under the bed the second time. All of this happened because Joshua was afraid of getting in trouble. Jesus. The state's medical expert testified that Maddie had suffered three separate attacks. She was struck three times on her forehead and top of her head. Nothing on her eye. Right, of course. There was nothing receiving wounds that would have been fatal about 30 minutes after the infliction. Her neck wounds perforated her windpipe, causing her to bleed to death or drown in her own blood. Nine stab wounds to her chest and abdomen were inflicted when she was already dead. However, mm. Maddie's hand clutched a bracket from the waterbed frame, which indicated that she was still alive when Joshua shoved her underneath. Oh my God. So he's lying that he took her out the second time. Yeah. And apparently there was no indication of um, sexual assault, but her underwear and pant panties were off, and I doubt they came off when he was dragging her. No. So he may have... Twiddled her. Something. Mm. Don't even really want to think about it, you know? No. Ugh. Joshua Phillips was tried as an adult, <clears throat> pardon me, and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But in 2012, the Supreme Court of the United States, boo, yeah, ruled that it was unconstitutional to sentence juveniles to life with no parole. I mean, they can make an exception. Apparently not. They can't with abortion. Eh. So, based on this ruling in June of 2020, Phillips appealed his sentence, but he was turned down. Good. His next appeal is set for 2023. This will be 25 years after he murdered little Maddie Clifton. So now, a few of the fallouts. Jessie Clifton said it took her three years 
to finally get used to only setting three places at the dinner table. I can't imagine that ever goes away. Oh, get that. When I was researching and I read that, it got me. I just read it now. It got me. Yeah. Like, she was 11. That poor little thing. Yeah. Soon after, not being able to see the house across the street where her baby girl was murdered, Sheila Clifton moved out of the family home. How many years later? Uh, just probably about four, because it was about... Mm. This was three... It took uh, Jesse three years to learn to set the dinner table properly, well, yeah. and it was not long after this, so three to four years after. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I can't blame her. I really can't. No. No, that have been... Yeah. Hard. So then, it was just Jesse and her dad. Steve and Sheila divorced after 25 years of marriage. Yeah, I but think But they had been together for 30 years. Wow. Yeah. I, I think... And I'm pro- I could be wrong, but I think like a lot of marriages where this happens, they break up because they just can't like. Well, you're not the same person after yeah. that, and yeah. you How can't you reconcile be... like you know the what ifs. Yeah. For you, and then the other person. Yeah. Just you know yeah. starts to believe them. I think maybe after a while. I get, I don't know like. No, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. It happens to a lot of yeah. families. Um, in this case, she wanted to talk about it. But he closed up. I mean, there's probably, he probably had some blame. Like, it was not her fault. Like, the well, every fault, father, but... historically speaking, the father is the protector of the family, right? So he was probably so. Yeah. Beating himself up, too. Guilt ridden. Yeah. But he was at work. I mean, what was he supposed to do? Brains are deceiving. Yeah. They lie to you. Yeah. So and with something like this, I mean, your emotions are going to take over. Yeah, no matter before, how much of a yeah, logical exactly. person you're. Exactly. Um, yeah, that that's terrible. Together thirty years, and then oof. Steve Phillips, Joshua's dad, was killed in a car crash in twenty twenty. Mm. But apparently, he was a bit of a dick. But I don't know. That's what the kid said. Yeah. I don't know how true that is. Now. This I feel bad about. Missy Phillips felt like a social pariah for a long time after and barely left her house. She would, people would stare at her, of course. People would come up and ask her, hey, are you Joshua's mom? You know, stuff like that. She said she didn't uh, really start getting over it until uh, she went to church one Sunday and she had like sunglasses on and a headscarf and stuff like that. But, of course, you're in church, so you take off your sunglasses and all that stuff. And a woman, an older woman came up to her and said, Are you Joshua's mom? And for a split second, she said, I should lie. She thought, Mm -hmm. I should lie. And then she was like, no. And she said, yes, I am. And the woman gave her a hug. And said, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Yeah. You know? And that's when she sort of started, okay, maybe I'm not to blame because I imagine the parents blame themselves as well, right? Like, where did I go wrong? The, oh, 100%. The, the parents of the perpetrator. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Jesse still lives... Oh, by the way, Jesse, after the murder of her little sister, she would see Missy Phillips coming home with... Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Mm. Um, she would see Missy Phillips coming home with groceries and stuff, and if she was out walking the family dog, Jesse, if Jesse was out walking the family dog... She would run over to help Missy. Aww. Because, you know, 
I'm all yeah. verklempt. Jesse still lives in and now owns the family home. That's got to be hard. Mm. But she says there's so many good memories of Maddie in there for her that, you know. She said that she remembers everything before Maddie uh, was murdered. And then for like five or six years after Maddie was murdered, there's snippets. Which... It's PTSD. I, yeah, and I imagine it would be. And she was sort of like the geeky kid at school and stuff like that. And then after Maddie was murdered, everybody wanted to know her. Um, and she was like, fuck you guys, you know? like Yeah. just want to be my friend because my sister was murdered. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, she still lives in the house. And after Maddie's death, she bonded with Missy Phillips. Jessie lost her sister. Missy lost her son. Jessie Clifton in 2018... When asked how she could do this, she said, quote, a loss is a loss, unquote. It takes a big person. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just a kid herself. So, wow. Imagine what kind of, what kind of an adult this woman is. Yeah. Fuck. She must be wonderful. That was a rough one though. I didn't, I didn't enjoy, I mean, I don't enjoy researching any of them. Yeah. But this one was... You don't get off from it after? No, no, not no. really. Um, <laughs> not usually. My mistake. <laughs> Depends on who it is. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, Ted Bundy? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't like him. Yeah. Richard Chase, however. No. Ew. Oh, gross. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. He was so dirty and gross blood and yucky. Blood for you, baby. Fucking holding oranges <laughs> on his head and drinking blood and ugh. No, thank you. Yeah, really. Eh? That's a catch. <clears throat> Should go on that fucking dating show, Are You the One? <laughs> We've only got one guy left. <laughs> the other two. I'm the one. <laughs> the other two just disappeared. That's weird. Yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> ask <Yeah>. your question. <laughs> just covered in blood. Yeah. Um, I've been watching, uh, I've been like binging these trashy dating shows for a while and I... I can't get enough of them. They're so... These people are so trashy. Like... what? I like the ones that are like the social experiment ones. Yes. So I watched the first season of um, uh, Blind, Love is Blind. I watched both seasons of that. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes of the, of the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also watched the one... Um, Love Island? No. I'm watching Love Island right now. Oh, that goes on forever. Have I like know, a new, but it's so it's like good. season 25, isn't it? There's Love Island UK and then... But, yeah, I haven't seen that. No. Um, X on the Beach. No, man. Fuck, that's trashy. you got to look that up, okay. dude. That is some trash. But there was another one on Amazon and it was um, like... I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it's basically like, what if somebody from your past that you turned down at some point <gasps> and the people that they chose, like some were really good. Some were terrible. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, you should watch that one. I'm gonna check yeah. it out. I'm watching Temptation Island, too. Oh, I've heard that one. It's really steamy, yeah. It's, it's in, check it out. Okay. It's very interesting. <laughs> um, but X on the Beach, remember Jordy Shore? Yeah. Remember how trashy that was? I never actually watched it, but I've heard of it. Okay, well, Jordy Shore was pretty trashy. Yeah. Especially X on the Beach UK, it makes Jordy Shore look like a children's show. Jesus. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And one of the ex on the beach ones, the American one, this girl comes in, Jalesse. She's actually on uh, Are You the One, the season that I'm watching now. Um, <laughs> she comes into the house, sleeps with a guy the first night, 
and she's like, I love you while they're having sex. And he's like, I love you too. Cause he didn't want to stop. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then she was like, I loved him. You knew him for 10 minutes and then he put his dick in you. Like settle down. Hey, maybe it was love at first thrust. <laughs> maybe. <yeah. laughs> this is the dick for me. <laughs> Oh my god. You fill my hole just right. <laughs> oh my god. We fit like a key in a lock. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so enough of our trash talk, but you know, we had to sort of um cleanse ourselves after Lighten those stories. Mood. Yeah, oh, a little bit. So I want to thank you for being here with me. You're welcome. And next time you come down we'll do another one. I will I will yes, I like doing these. Maybe we'll do a Florida man. Ooh. Again. Or would you want to do another one of these? Um. Do you want to do funny stuff or do you want to do stuff where you're like, oh my fucking God. Well, I mean, I excel at being funny, but but yeah, I'm good really at saying, do. oh my God. You really are. Yeah. Yeah. I practice. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, if Coulter's sick again, you'll just have to practice going, wow. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> wow. I'll do it like Owen Wilson. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> With his fucked up nose. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, so that is it for today. We hope you enjoyed it. Please follow us on, um, where am I? Facebook. We have a lovely little Facebook group called uh, Any Crime at All Podcast. And, uh, yeah, come and say hi or something, people. Like, I don't bite unless you ask nicely. Um, okay, so I am Stacy. I am not Coulter. I'm Caitlin. And this has been Any Crime at All. And we love you! Bye. Toodles.